The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the week one NFL betting recap and Monday night football preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me as always is Colin Wilson. Ready to talk some uh, college football NFL takeaways? There's a lot to get to. There's a ton to get to. It was Saturday and Sunday. It was uh, actually a beautiful weekend for you and I, so we should just dive right into the details. Yeah, it's all on to the next weekend as always, but we'll... What we'll do this episode, we'll recap. I'll kind of go through quickly what happened today in the NFL. Really want to get your thoughts on just the viewer experience as well. I, I just I felt that it wasn't much of a change without fans, but we'll, I'll get your thoughts on that as well. We'll then listen to voicemails. We have voicemails to listen to from the weekend. I'm actually going to listen to them for the first time and have a, a live reaction, so I haven't listened to them yet. I don't know. We had a good Saturday, and it was a really shitty slate, so I don't know how uh, angry they will be, but we'll get to the voicemails and then we will talk uh, college football Saturday. There's no college football weekday games, so uh, nothing to talk about there. Uh, and then we'll talk Monday night football uh, and then get out of here. And then, of course, as always, our next episode previewing week three of the college football season, a little more games we're adding to the mix of FBS matchups, which will be nice. Um, we'll, we record that on Thursday. That'll come out on Friday morning. And if you haven't already, download the Action Network app. Go on to the Action Network podcast, rate us, subscribe, unsubscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, know the deal. All right, so let's go through today's NFL results. Um, there's some surprising results across the board. Um, I'm, I'm in the Circa Survivor Contest. It's like a 1.3 million winner-take-all survivor. There was like 1,390, 1,390 entries, like 600 are gone already. You had the Colts went down, the... 49ers went down and the Eagles went down and that took out about 600 people. And if the, if the Steelers go down, that's probably like another hundred uh, tomorrow night. So there were some surprises. Um, we'll start. And I had a tweet earlier. that said, something's never change. So we'll start with these games. You have Phillip rivers f- failing to come back at the end of the game. You have the lions melting down from three scores up in the fourth quarter against Mitch Bortles. You've just been Bortled. Mitch Bortles only plays well against the Lions somehow, but he looked awful for three quarters. You have the Jets looking like an absolute dumpster fire. This team is officially trash. Uh, And the Browns getting absolutely blown out. So some things just never change in the NFL. Well, what stuck out to you before we kind of go through some of these games? Some things don't ever change. I think Aaron Rodgers thinks it's 2009. All you got to do is draft a quarterback, and he's all pro once again. Uh, Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson things. Uh, The Eagles absolutely not scoring any points in the second half. Thank you to the uh, live under that we're on today. 
I mean, there's going to be a debate on Belichick and Brady and all that, but it was it was a good day for Belichick, not a good day to beat Brady. Uh, and I think the one thing that shocked me the most, I didn't think there'd be that many points scored in a Raiders-Panthers game that was going to have heavy on the rush, and here we are looking at 64 points like it's a damn college game. Yeah, fortunately for me, I was on that over. Both of those defenses are not good. Uh, that's certainly something to note. The, the Raiders end up getting the cover there late. They won by four at Carolina. Needed that win. Their schedule is brutal early on. Their offense looked great. Their offensive line looked great. The Panthers' offense under Joe Brady looked great. But, again, they're playing just – the Raiders' defense is horrendous. They can't cover. They can't get pressure. So, I, I would not want to bet an under involving either of those teams early on in the season. So, just to give an overall recap of what happened, it, favorites went – where it depends, like the Seattle closes and underdogs. I mean, some of them were really close, but they basically were at like seven and six home teams. You know, there's a lot of talk about home field advantage. I don't know if there's a lot you could take out of just today, uh, but they were like seven and six. The one thing that, you know, they're basically about even. The one thing that really did stick out is overs. Overs, I think, went nine and four. We have three games to go. Team totals went like 75%, I believe. So there was a lot of points. Week one is a good, generally a good scoring week and we were we were kind of wondering would tackling be off would offenses be out of rhythm the offenses looked pretty good for the most part tackling is was a little rusty early on in games but these guys got got into it quickly I think that the one thing that I've noticed from me watching it me watching the game I don't notice that there's no fans now, a lot of it is great camera work and you know where you where you're focused on the lens it's a billion dollar league they do a really good job from a visual perspective but I do think that in these environments, and again, small sample size, just watching football all one day, it's conducive to offenses for both teams, like the, mainly the road team, but the home team. There's just not a lot of noises. There's no distractions. It's like third, a, a big third down on defense. You don't have the crowd going nuts. I mean, think about most of you probably watched the Bucks saints game. You know, on a third down on defense, that Saints crowd is going berserk. The offenses seemingly didn't miss a beat. Did you miss any aspect of having no fans while you were watching today? Well, I know I can't wait to hear the term decibel gate. Uh, I know that there is uh, it's being forced upon them how high the decibels can be turned up. 70, so for me, I believe. Yeah, 70. And it was really interesting for me, like from a baseball perspective, like from from the crowd noise that they're pumping in to the, you know, the people that are calling the game. They don't call the home run until it's like, you know, been in the seats for three seconds. So really, I wanted to hear how quickly can they pump that crowd up on third downs? Like, will they bring it down when there's I mean, it, I wanted to see how quick they were with the trigger there. And so I think at some point we're going to have a decibel gate problem where somebody's going to go over the mark. Uh, there's going to be a complaint filed. So that's what I was really listening Patriots for today. Movie. But I, I agree with you. I, I don't, you know, I, I think the home field advantage you have is probably, I, I didn't miss the fans whatsoever, but at the same time, you know, when New Orleans plays at home, when Minnesota plays at home, it's actually a really big factor. So uh, I think home field advantage, much like college is a little bit neutralized in our, in our new world. All the sports without fans. The one time that I've missed it a lot, I miss it in tennis, watching like these huge tennis matches when you don't get like a crowd reaction. I mean, you're so <laughs> intimate with the crowd. But game sevens, like whether it's NBA or NHL, like, and they're close at the end and you have the crowd, that you can't duplicate and that I do miss. But for the most part, it's pretty much been a non-factor just from a viewer's perspective. All right, let me run through these games. The Ravens cover the seven with ease. They win 38 to six. The Browns, I mean, look, this is a brutal first week matchup. You have all these coaching changes, you have all these injuries, and then you're going up against just a, a powerhouse in the Ravens who just took it to the Browns. Nightmare matchup, too, for them schematically. They don't have any linebackers. They can't really cover tight ends or Lamar Jackson. 
So the Ravens truck them. We might get some value on the Browns this Thursday night. Raybon and I will talk about that on the podcast that'll come out Thursday morning. We talk about Thursday night football and week two NFL. The Packers, Vikings, this is an awful call by me. Uh, I did tease the Packers, but I had the under in this game. And man, I mean, there was like over 900 yards of offense. But I, the Vikings, D-backs were just getting abused. Rodgers, like you said, was just in pride. It looked his vintage self. The Vikings put up a lot of points as well. What I have to look into is, is this like, wow, the Packers offense? Because it's pretty much the same thing as last year. Or is it, whoa, all the losses on the Vikings defense? This might be a really, really – a unit that really struggles early on until Zimmer can kind of figure out some things. Yeah, I mean, for me, really, it's the run-pass ratio because, uh, you know, LaFleur wants to be heavy in the rush, and we're looking at 32 rushing attempts versus 44 passing attempts. So that's not really what they drafted for. Uh, they drafted, you know, to run the ball, and I figured that's what LaFleur was going to bring them, but a complete opposite of what the ratio was today for the Packers. So I don't know if that turns once we get to week two or week three or if it's going to change by opponent, but it definitely was not the ratio I was expecting from the Packers today. Yep. Uh, New England moves to, to 1-0 in, in Cam Newton's debut. They went 21-11. Easy under game. Unfortunately for me, I had some seven and some seven and a half on the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick gets down to the five at the end of the game and uh, throws a pick. I mean, what a tease. But the Patriots also had a touchback like right before then because they fumbled it into the end zone. Patriots, I mean, Cam didn't look great throwing the ball. He doesn't really have great options to throw it to. He did look pretty good running the ball, and that's all pretty much the Patriots did. It looks like they're kind of running a Walmart version of the of the Ravens. So I, I'm not sure how long it can last and if you can pretty much scheme against Cam taking a shotgun and running, running right or left without any threat of a throw. We'll see. The Redskins up, upset the Eagles 27-17. They were down 17 nothing in this game. I'm sitting with a plus six saying, well, I'm cooked. The Eagles offensive line had three starters. Three projected starters were out. They were just – I mean, Wentz was under fire and – they just went into a shell, didn't score the rest of the game. They went for it late on fourth down. Uh, and the Redskins actually looked like a semi-respectable team. But I was super low on the Eagles coming into the year. I am still super low on the Eagles. Uh, they couldn't really run the ball. Wentz was under fire, and they blew a 17 nothing lead to the football team. Yeah, and you have to wonder how much of that is conditioning. Eagles didn't score any points in the in the second half whatsoever. Not that they're not the only team that, you know, kind of almost completely got shut out besides the Browns. You know, there's a couple other teams who really had problems in the second half, and you have to wonder how much of that is conditioning. Yep, that is something to watch as well. The Bills absolutely dominate the Jets. I, I look, I had a 500 uh, NFL day with the Rams pending. Um, we're recording this before Sunday Night Football. Sometimes to have a good day in the NFL, you need like – you need the couple of the late scores to go your way. So like Fitzpatrick doesn't get in the end zone for a back door. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. While Sam Darnold goes 90 yards after a PI and pushes that game over the total late. It happens. You're going to get some that go your way and some that don't. Uh, it builds in control that entire game. I mean, at one point the jets had like 31 total yards towards the very end of the first half. I, it's bad. Gaze is not, I, he's, he's got to go soon. Dominant effort by Buffalo. Allen turned the ball over a couple times, but their defense looked great. Just a very lopsided win. Buffalo gets the cover there. 27-17, misleading final score. It was really dominant from start to finish. I think one of the most entertaining games of the day at the end was the Chargers-Bengals, which was just a snooze fest for most of the game. And then at the end, you have Burrow just, just kind of pitching it, and it gets picked off. And then they get the ball back down three, 
They go all the way down the field. Burroughs appeared to have hit A.J. Green for the game-winning touchdown. They call offensive pass interference. Fat Randy Bullock comes out for the game-winning field goal and I think, like, pulls his hamstring and, like, shanks it, shanks the 30-yarder. He had hit, like, 40 in a row uh, under 40 yards. I think you had the Bengals plus three, so you ended up pushing. Uh Um, Burrow showed some – I think I I was kind of impressed. Like, he was hanging in there. His offensive line is horrendous. I mean, they were getting abused. Um, That's something to watch out for on Bobby Hart, man. Oh, against, like, Miles Garrett uh, against the Browns on Thursday night. The Chargers, I mean – they are who we thought they were. They want to win games. I think I said this in the NFL pod. They want to win games like 16-13, which they, they did this week. Uh, they just want to run the ball, play good D, and grind out a win. Tyrod Taylor is just going to be very conservative. Um, so, look, the Chargers got the win how they want to get the win. Saints get the cover. They go down 7 nothing early against the Bucks, And then, you know, they were fairly dominant the rest of the way, but they got some help. Um, Brady threw two picks and a pick six. They, the Saints blocked a field goal. The Saints did, like, the sky kick that looked like it was going to go out of bounds, and the Bucks like, bobbled it and it stayed in bounds, and the Saints recovered it. The Bucks had all kinds of penalties, especially on the defensive side of the ball, jumping on, on hard counts. You know, and the Bucks were the most penalized team in the NFL last year. The Bucks, I think, were a little sloppy, but there were some good signs. The defense, Levante David was excellent. Played well for the most part. Just some of the mistakes really cost them. The big question is going to be, can Tom Brady lead – this more downfield passing attack. This isn't New England where you're just dinking and dunking, right? Like, he's going to have to make these throws down the field. And, you know, he, he didn't get it done today. He threw two picks. He was inaccurate in other passes. Did you catch any of this game? Yeah, I did. And actually, I mean, I had a lot of fantasy implications. Like, with O.J. Howard, it was good to see O.J. Howard get some looks and get a touchdown. And, uh, uh, you know, from a running back perspective, from a fantasy perspective, it was just, a you know, Fournette and uh, Ronald Jones. There was – a lot to pay attention going on here from a fantasy perspective. And plus I had, you know, money on the under here and it, it, uh, you know, the, the saints didn't score in the first quarter. The bucks didn't score in the second quarter felt pretty good going into halftime uh, that this could continue to be a defensive game, but it didn't, but they have the weapons uh, even with Mike Evans, not there, they have the weapons to score points, but he's got to be able to throw downfield and uh, just didn't get it done today. So I'm not sure if the bucks are going to be a fade uh, on the point. I mean, they're just going to be overvalued for a while, but just for the name, yep. you know, the star power that they have, uh, but, you know, they're, they're definitely a team I'm not going to be behind. One team I will be behind that we're about to talk about, I don't know if I'm just going to blindly bet the Cardinals until Vegas catches up because the Kyler Murray, this fourth quarter stuff is just it's fantastic. As a person that likes to put money down, uh, if you want to roll into that game, that, that was my favorite game of the day. Yeah, I think we luckily didn't have to sweat any more Zane Gonzalez field goals. He missed two and made a sweat. But Jimmy G looked awful. Now, granted, all of his receivers are hurt. But the Cardinals also – showed some improvements on the defensive side as, as well. Now, how, how much can you take from one game? I don't know. They played the 49ers tough both times last year as well, but they pulled this game out, you know, and Kittle didn't kill them. They couldn't cover tight ends last, last year. But now, you're yeah, you're giving Kyler Murray in his second year. Offensive line played a little better, too. That continuity is starting to pay off. But you're giving him – see, second year, he's going to get better and smarter with some of his decisions. And now you're giving him DeAndre Hopkins. I agree. This team is pretty dangerous, certainly undervalued today. And I have to call out Larry Fitzgerald for the play of the day when he ran at the end of the first half. Hopkins caught the ball with like four seconds. The Cardinals had no timeouts. He ran, grabbed the ball from Hopkins, sprinted to the ref, gave it to him so the ref could put it down and they were able to spike and get a field goal. By the way, if you had the Cardinals first half, that 56-yard field goal that Gonzalez made covered for that first half. So that was a hell of a play. But I agree. Cardinals were very impressive today. 
As were the Jags. Um, the Jags get the win. Not a lot of people saw that coming. Uh, Gardner Minshew, 19 of 20, 173 yards, three touchdowns. Rivers threw two picks, threw it 46 times. I mean, really, is this what the – I thought the Colts were just a, a running team and they were going to pound the rock and uh, Rivers thrown it 46 times with two picks. Uh, but the Jags come out with a really surprising win. Your boy Rodrigo had a couple of field goals. He's kicking now in Jacksonville. Uh, one of the most misleading box scores of the day is the Seattle game. Seattle wins 38-25, but if you really dig into it, I mean, Matt Ryan threw for a million yards. The Falcons had 506 yards. The Seahawks only 383. Both teams averaged 6.6 yards per play. The Seahawks like recovered a bunch of fumbles, like a couple of their own. They recovered a Falcons fumble after a, a fake punt that the Falcons got on fourth down and then fumbled it. Also, right after, right before then, the Seahawks scored on a fourth and long on a, on a bomb. The Falcons went 0 for 4 on fourth down, didn't score in the red zone late. Like anything, they were just gashing them. They were getting yards at will and then not finishing. But their defense also played really poorly. And it doesn't look like that end of the year improvement for the Falcons defense was anything more than a mirage. Uh, but Russell Wilson gets the win and uh, they let him cook a little earlier than usual. So maybe that's a good sign for the Seahawks. I mentioned the Bears coming back. I mean, Swift for the Lions, heartbreaking. Drops the, the game-winning touchdown at the end after they the Lions blew the lead. I mean, it's the most Lions loss ever. We didn't mention already, but Thursday night, the Chiefs uh, won and covered against the Texans 34-20. The Chiefs look like the Chiefs. Both those games kind of lead into what we have for buy low, sell high, because that's something you and I like to keep track of. We like to see teams that won covered uh, going up against teams that lost and didn't cover that looked horrible. It's really kind of a buy low, sell high kind of stock scenario. Uh, the Lions play into that when they take on the Packers next week. Uh, the Texans were atrocious against the Chiefs, didn't cover, and now they get Baltimore who put up a, a 38 spot and blew the Browns out. So those are two uh, buy low, sell highs for next week. Yeah, the Browns. I think if you can get the if we can get them under a field uh, under a touchdown, I think they opened up at seven and a half. That might come down a little bit. Yeah, depending on how the Titans look, they play the Jags. You know, you have Atlanta going to Dallas, and the Rams go to Philly. So if the Rams do win this game, and you everyone's going to be really low on the Eagles, that's another potential spot as well. But yeah, I I think you nailed it on the head. It's one week, but everyone in the NFL naturally, it's all anyone. Everyone bets it. Everyone talks about it all week. Week two, betting the NFL is one of my favorite betting weeks of the entire season. Because a lot of these games, you're going to have teams that lose bad games every year to bad teams that you're going to have shocking wins all the time. But if, if they happen in week 11, you don't, you're like, okay, that was just a random result. If they happen in week one, everyone says, okay, well, now this team is good. This team sucks. This team's – and the overreactions are crazy. They're unlike any other sport. Um, so, yeah, the buy low is still high week, weeks two and three. Um, produce some really, really enticing betting spots that we'll get to on the NFL pod. Um, all right. So I think it was a solid overall NFL day. It was entertaining and uh, hopefully we, it can continue. Um, let's move on before we move on to our college football recap. We do have voicemails. So like I said, I haven't heard them yet. So I'm going to play them for the first time here. Bad beats, back doors and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. Colin, my man, Sam, fourth quarter howl, Red Wolves howling, 
Oh, how I've missed you, Tyler Vitt. Bet your mortgage against them. Meep, meep. All right, so I'll stop that one. Yeah, you got a meep, meep shout, shout out. That UNC cover was amazing. Um, I had the minus 20 and a half. I know other people had the minus 24, 23 and a half late. So obviously, I'm always rooting for every number for anyone that tails. I think that you were right. We talked about this in the pot. I think they were a little confused by the 335 at first. Yeah. Their offense was really sputtering, but that Q's offense. Whew. Oh, man. Did it, I mean, DeVito is awful. The offensive line was just an absolute disaster. Uh, and UNC somehow gets that cover after a really sluggish start. But the, the Syracuse offense is they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, North Carolina had three turnovers. Syracuse, 18% offensive success rate. If you don't know anything about where your offensive success rate should be, it shouldn't be 18%. Uh, plenty of defensive havoc for North Carolina. And here we are, Sam Howell, Mr. Everything, coming back in the second half, fourth quarter, uh, to get that cover for everybody. So uh, uh, we will continue to play that angle. I, I don't know where to start. My Action Network account looks like a barrel of Granny Smith apples. It's about 5 a.m. on the East Coast right now, and uh, every time I close my eyes, the only noises that I keep hearing are meet, 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 UTSA plus seven, baby. Adam from L.A., Colin f***ing winning Wilson, calling that Arkansas State. Dude, way to be on point. And they try to give it back. That third and 33 dumb f***ing late hit on the quarterback by the senior, and then this f***ing true freshman Knocking a guy receiver after the play was over, but you know what? They held strong. Boom, took the spread and took the fucking money line. Baby! I had South Alabama on the money line. I'm trying to get a live odds on the Nippon Ham Fighters to make up for it. Today sucked. What's up, guys? New season, I wake up. Look on the app. First thing I see is Colin Fane, Minor Nation again. Minor, effing. Nation, cover that spread tonight, and we're going to make it a game. So you go ahead and eat that large bag of shit like you always do, Colin, and uh, go Minor Nation. Boom. All right. I am so happy we heard from Minor Nation. Now, I think that our friend uh, with the beach house down in El Paso. Uh, swimming, um, in his mon- swimming in his money like Scrooge McDuck. Right. I think he knew that UTEP had no shot. We both had Texas because he called before the game. Notice that, not after. A lot of times people call after, but he was getting his call out of the way. So next next week, buddy, or next time they play, you got to call after, whether they cover or not. Uh, Texas, one of my bet regrets, which we'll get to, is not betting the UTEP team total under. Uh, uh-huh. Someone I was talking to someone on Twitter about that, and I was like, I'm adding that. And then I just, for some reason, never got to it. I said UTEP's not going to score. They scored three points. They lost 59-3. to three. By the way, Arkansas State, Greg Dortch, we miss you. I hope some NFL team signed you. The new star of the podcast, and I'm sure our producer's got plenty of clips, is Mr. Jonathan Adams. The most electrifying player in college football. Get to Jonathan Adams. That is an unbelievable catch. That is like OBJ corner this time. Oh, Adams, what a play. You would have thought he was LeBron James posting up. This is not real. This kid is amazing. Colin talked about the money line on the podcast. And then on our money underdog money line parlay piece, I took Arkansas State. He took South Alabama. We were both basically like, these are the two that we want to take. We almost came through with both. Um, South Alabama just 
melted down the end against Tulane. But Jonathan Adams, oh, my. Three touchdowns. He had another ridiculous one-handed one that was called back. Wow, Jonathan Adams, what a catch. Look, I, I, bet, that, I bet the money line, and I'm sitting there watching this line go up before there's an announcement of all these players being out, and I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. Like, there's how many? And then, and then it comes out, there's nine starters out for Arkansas State. And they still find a way to beat Kansas State in thrilling fashion. So that was awesome. So I, I don't know if you have any thoughts about our boy, Mr. Adams. That is a real deal superstar right there. We were, we were talking. I called you on the phone Saturday morning. Like, it's just a crazy college football year where you're going to have some bets that you like. You get bet against really hard. And it ends up being an awful bet because the, the team you bet has a bunch of players out. And you don't really find this out until Saturday morning, right? They do testing on Friday night. They determined who's positive, who was contacted with who. And then you're going to have some bets where you look brilliant and the line moves seven points in your direction because of this. So there's going to be a lot more variance this year. And there are some people that are getting this inside info because the lines are moving before it gets released publicly. I, want, I mean, this, if this happened in uh, financial markets, you go to prison. But that's not what we're dealing in. So it's it's just going to be the wild wild west every Saturday every Saturday morning. Um, any thoughts on that game in particular, and just the craziness of it all? Uh, as far as specifically for the game, yeah, we're going to keep back in Arkansas State and Adams. This is a fantastic offense. Uh, Four hundred eighty nine yards. Jay Adams have a day. Uh, their defense, which was a makeshift uh, second and third string defense, only gave up three hundred and seventy four yards. Our caller was exactly right. Arkansas State had a fumble and an interception. Like, they tried to give it away, but Kansas State could not get out of their own way. I don't know if it's the zero spring practices uh, or if it's like we talked about on the pod, the the 18 offensive linemen and zero experience. But Kansas State was 13% success rate in passing downs in the fourth quarter. For the game, they were 33% on standard downs and success rate. That's not going to get it done. You're going to lose all your Big 12 games, except maybe Iowa State. That's another story. Uh, But – you know, Kansas State was pathetic on offense and got beaten by an Arkansas State, a Sun Belt second string defense. Uh, way to go, Red Wolves. Way to go, Stuck. Way to go, us. I'm, I hope we can pull this off again. How about the belt within two wins over yeah. the Big 12? Not a great day for the Big 12. Um, luckily, there's, you know, two other Power Five conferences not playing this year. So the committee might be half just forced to put in the big 12 winner in, but yeah, I'm probably just blind, maybe blindly betting Arkansas state the rest of the year until they fail me. I middled their game last week and then I hit their money line, their plus 450 money line this week. I mean, that's my favorite team. Jonesboro. What up? That's your country. What do, what, what do you know about Jonesboro? It's not my country, man. It's the other side of the state. We don't even count. No. We've had this conversation before. They, they have their own little bubble over in Jonesboro. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, they yeah. ignore the all 77 counties in Arkansas adhere to the Razorbacks, and then we've got this little Jonesboro thing going on. So Well, they, they got the team. They make us money. They yeah. make us money. So. There'll be no more Jonesboro slander, slander. on this podcast until they don't <laughs> cover and cost us money. Jonathan Adams, this young man is an absolute freak. All right, let's go into best call, worst call, bet, regret, any games, and then – We'll cover any games that you want to talk about that we didn't get to. I'll start best call. I mean, it's probably going to be Arc State, Moneyline, obviously. But I'll throw another one out there with the Georgia Tech, Florida State under. Talked about that a lot. Took that under 52.5. I mean, it closed at 49, and it never sniffed. And Georgia Tech starts off 1-0, and a bad loss for the start of the Mike Norvell era. Florida State only scores 13 points 
Uh, still issues with Blackman. Still issues with the offensive line. Blackman threw 44 times for 198 yards. I mean, not great. Um, so that's my best call. How about you? Your best call? Yeah, best call. I'm going to go with Coastal. Uh, that game was supposed to be played at Coastal. Uh, once the pandemic hit and games started getting canceled, Coastal says, you know what, we'll come up to Lawrence and we'll play you. I tweeted out, we're still playing Coastal. Then all of a sudden the spread comes out at four. I think I projected Coastal to be a favorite. Hashtag wrong team favored. This was a uh, an undressing I had Coastal pegged months ago, had him pegged at four, had him pegged at seven. So glad that everybody that followed could get in on that. I know who pushed the number. I know the group that pushed the number. They're, they're very respected. And I know why the book respects them and kept the, kept the number around six and a half. I didn't agree with it and I didn't come back on it. But, you know, I, I stuck to my guns the entire time with this Coastal game. I think I actually want to go back and revise my best call. My best call by far is having the discipline to not bet ULM – for the game, for the first half, for the second half, live. Do you know how many times I had my account up and was just looking at it, and I had the devil on my right side, my shoulder, the angel on my left shoulder, one being like, dude, it's Army, you got to you gotta fade them. The other being like, it's La Monroe. But La Monroe is a disaster. Again, I don't know how much we could take out. Like, is Army good? I don't know. It's like they play <laughs> Middle Tennessee and ULM, which look like two train wrecks. The thing that interests me from that box score is, I mean, we knew that Army was going to be able to push ULM around. We said on the pod, ULM can't do it in the trench. No matter if they had their defensive coordinator or not, they can't do it in the trench. But Army didn't even tinker around. They got this huge lead. They had one passing attempt on the day. They, I mean, they are working on the triple option bread and butter with the new faces they got. Uh, and, and here we are again in the, in the Army boat where they're defying all numbers, all advanced stats, and they're just going to beat you into hell with limited possessions. Yep. Uh, worst call for me. Uh, I mean, I had to say Iowa State, that minus 12. Shame. 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 Uh, I don't know what the hell I was thinking with that one. Um, dead wrong, right from the jump, you could tell. Any thoughts on that game and Iowa State's loss and how much they're going to drop? And then what was your worst call? There was some special teams that had to, to go in there. You know, ULL had a, a, an 83-yard punt return for a TD, a 95-yard uh, kickoff return TD. So there were some special teams that made it look really bad. Purdy had an interception on the 14-yard line. It didn't result in any points, but it's just Iowa State had only three scoring opportunities. They made it past the 40 just three times against ULL. That's not good, and I'm not sure if, that, if we just let them get beat up and then flip a switch in October and start betting them again. It, I couldn't even bet. I bet Brocktober in September. What was I thinking? And the funny thing is I went, I was at the bar for that game with about 10 Iowa state fans, which is 10 Iowa state fans, me and my wife and our dog. That was it. We opened up the bar early for her sister and her, all of her sister's friends who were visiting and they were all Iowa state fans. And man, did it get depressing quick in there. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Uh, well, what was your worst call? Well, I had two losses on the app. Uh, one was Texas under 58 and a half. You remember the debate was, do I take a UTEP team total under or do I take a full game under? Uh, so, you know, UTEP uh, field goal uh, didn't do me well there and just a little bit extra scoring. And then Eastern Kentucky, I said on the, you know, I had a half unit on them. Uh, I won't miss that money whatsoever. I said Eastern Kentucky stock couldn't be any lower and West Virginia didn't have any time to get prepared for this game whatsoever. And West Virginia still beat them 56 to 10 with a front door cover. Uh, so I think we're going to say goodbye to betting on Eastern Kentucky. I'm not going to let this turn into a UMass situation. Eastern Kentucky, you mean? Um, yeah, they're a dumpster fire. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk that regret. Uh, I guess I have to say I didn't end up playing South Alabama. I can't get mm-hmm. that team right. And then I have to say the UTEP team total under. Those are mine. Your bet regret from Saturday? I'm going to go with Duke. Uh, I was heavy on the under so much on Notre Dame and Duke that I hit it twice. Uh, I was convinced that Ian Book didn't have the weapons to be explosive and that they were going to have a heavy rush. I was right on both of those perspectives, and we had it power rated 16 uh, at the Action Network, and the spread was, what, 21 and a half. And so if you're going to have such a low-scoring game and you're so convinced of that, you should probably shut a unit. Uh, Duke didn't play bad. Uh, they didn't play horrible. I mean, Cutcliffe is a play is a is a as an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, wasn't bad at all. Uh, Duke had a fumble in their own territory, and that resulted in a Notre Dame touchdown. So that game was actually a lot closer than people think. And Tommy Reeves had a very heavy rush rate, 42 rushes, 31 passes. Book hit seven different wide receivers. So he's definitely going to do some searching here to find out who his hot target is. Oh, and by the way, I should mention that my worst call of the weekend, I know this is a football podcast, but I, I, bet, the, I bet the Brewers today, <laughs> they lost 12 nothing and didn't get a hit, and they were a favorite. Let, let me throw this out there. We can put college football to bed because, you know, we had the Clemson under, uh, didn't have the balls to take weight to cover. I'm, I'm, I think I think Dabo was treating that as an exib- exhibition and trying to stay buddies and have a good friendship with Dave Clawson. Uh, but let me go ahead and just throw this out there. The Campbell Camels are real. If you follow me on Twitter, you can expect to see more Camels bucking. Uh, they play almost the entire Sun Belt, like every week against a new Sun Belt team. They get Coastal this week. But Haj Malik Williams, their quarterback, you know, two, t- two TDs, no INTs, 237 yards. Georgia Southern could not get out of their own way. Uh, the Camels even had 138 yards and penalties, and they almost won that game uh, outright against Georgia Southern as a, as a what, what was that spread? 32-point spread almost won that game outright? 34, close at 28. The Campbells had eight trips past the 40-yard line. Eight yep. trips past the 40-yard line. I, this Campbell team, this is, uh, I don't know, I love, I love my Coastal, but, uh, you know, I want to play Campbell every week. This, this quarterback is legit. Georgia Southern only won by one as 30-point favorites. How about Texas Tech? I didn't see yeah. any of this game. They only won by two as 40-point mm-hmm. favorites over Houston Baptist, a Houston Baptist team that lost 57-31 last week to North Texas. I mean, that's a, not a great look for Texas Tech. Uh, Houston Baptist put up 600 yards against Texas Tech, but that's about the same amount of yards they put up against North Texas. Houston Baptist can't win a game. Yeah, but why, but why is Texas Tech not scoring more than 35 points here? Between Kansas State's offense and Texas Tech's defense, uh, this Big 12 thing is going to be the new ACC Coastal where it's just blowout central every weekend. Yep. Uh, the one, one other thing, I think I saw you mention this on Twitter, but Miami is going fast. Yes. Super fast. Red Lashley comes in, uh, Gus Malzahn, protege, been with Gus for a long time. Uh, it comes from that cloth, but he uh, wants to go up, beat tempo with uh, De'Aaron King. And this is, uh, I'm going to try 
uh, be on the lookout for an article this week. I'm going to try to put out a pace versus what you were last year, uh, time success rate, kind of a little chart for all of us. Uh, and we're going to take a look at the teams we probably should be expecting overs from and teams that we should be uh, expecting unders on. And really that that hole over the other night, UAB just didn't do their part. They got past the 40-yard line. They just couldn't get any points up on the board. So, yes, Miami was running fast. And the fact that that game went under may serve us a little bit of value moving forward here. Before we move on to Monday Night Football, any other results or notes from the college football card that you wanted to mention? I would love to jump on this Texas State number when it opened up here on Sunday afternoon. But I need confirmation Brady Bride's going to play. And frankly, with this whole COVID shit going on where people have inside information and they're moving lines like crazy, unless it's a quarterback, I really just don't care anymore. I mean, I know Austin P was out three without three punters, but that was just that, – that, throw that one off. Austin Arkansas P was State, without three punters? <laughs> Arkansas, yeah. Arkansas State, uh, you know, that. winning with a second-string defense – against Big 12 should tell you all you need to know. Brady McBride is worth three to four points for, for Texas State. Uh, if Brady McBride is playing for Texas State, I will play that game. Tell me about the quarterback. If I can get quarterback information, we'll get the plays in. Yeah, my first thought when looking at the card next week, and we'll get all of this like last week, is uh, why, why am I not laying 20 and a half with Pitt? Or I might just take the team total under Syracuse. I mean, Pitt has a, a really good defense and a really good defensive front, which UNC doesn't have. Right. I don't know how Syracuse is going to score in this game. Apparently, Mark Whipple is now doing his job and earning his paycheck as the offensive coordinator at Pitt. So we'll see how that turns out. Much more later in the week on that game and many others later this week on our college football week three preview episode, which will be out on Friday morning, as I said before. Make sure that you down the app, Action Network app, check out all of our stuff on actionnetwork.com and rate, review, subscribe. It really helps us. Um, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, before we get out of here, let's talk Monday night football. We have two games on Monday night, starting at 7.10 Eastern on ESPN. Per BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, uh, the Steelers are five-and-a-half-point favorites, over under 45-and-a-half. This is a spot where I would normally would look to back the Giants. I love fading Tomlin against bad teams on the road. He is horrendous in this spot. He is the least profitable head coach in our bet labs database since 2003 uh, on the road as a favorite against teams that are under 500. Now clearly the giants aren't under 500, but you would project them to be. Now I've talked about this a lot in the podcast before. Really it's Tomlin is a rah, rah coach. He gets, he gets his locker room up. He's great as an underdog against good teams. And then a lot of times he'll go, the Steelers will have these duds. I mean, ask any Steelers fan every year, the one or two games against these really bad teams on the road, they'll just lay an egg. I don't know if that necessarily applies here because it's it's like Ben is back. It's week one. It's on Monday night football. But maybe they do come out flat without fans. And uh, But I, I don't think that the angle is here. Although I do think that this line is a little inflated. Still trying to figure out exactly what home field should be. But, you know, at six, I would maybe look a little Giants. But this is probably a game I'm staying away from. Uh, I want to see what Ben looks like. Uh, I want to see what this, you know, the Giants had all these coaching changes on both sides of the ball, a new head coach. What is Daniel Jones going to look like in his second year? 
the Giants have a lot of questions on that offensive line, which is not great against the Steelers defensive line that basically leads the NFL in sacks every single year. That is very concerning. Daniel Jones turning the ball over, getting pressure uh, all day against the Steelers front. That really scares me and will probably keep me off of the Giants. In a game I showed a tad bit of value, and especially at six. I would normally would, would pull the trigger if this was a classic Tomlin spot, but I don't see it in week one of the season. Do you see anything here? No, I think the line is overinflated. It's gone from three to, to six in the last five days. So I think there's definitely from a you know, from a numbers perspective, there, there's some value here on the Giants. I don't know if it's a team I can trust. Uh, I know that Brett Bielema is finally coaching for a real paycheck because he has to afford 13 lawyers that are trying to get 13, you know, 20 something million dollars out of Arkansas Razorback Foundation. So, you know, at least Brett Bielema is motivated to, to win this game for the Giants staff. That's my angle on it. The Brett Bielema angle for, for Monday Night Football. Cross that off of your bingo card. We just need to find a way to get a 90s Arkansas basketball reference. We already got Jonesboro. We got Belima. And now we just need Arkansas 90s basketball. Well, there's a Scotty Thurman jersey behind you. Uh, so there it is. Uh, tic-tac-toe in the Arkansas bingo card. Yeah, so I'm, I'm personally staying away from this game. Maybe look to bet it live based on what I see early. Because there's, there's, I want to see what ben, Big Ben looks like. And then there's questions all over this Giants roster. So maybe depending on what I see early, I might take something live. Uh, so make sure you take a look at the Action Network app. Have your notifications on. You can follow me, Colin, and others on there. All right, let's move on to the second Monday night game of the night. All right, at BetMGM, the Titans are three-point favorites at Denver in mile high. Uh, Over-under is 41. Denver has a lot of injuries, right? And it's out there. We don't know if Sutton's going to play. Cortland Sutton's going to play. It looks like Hamler won't play. They say that Sutton's like 50-50 from the last I read, and it's going to be like a game-time decision based on if he could do like 10 jumping jacks, I think the coach said. (laughs) So it's up in the air full play, and that's obviously a huge loss if he doesn't go. And then you lost Von Miller maybe for the year. Uh, maybe he can come back in December. That's obviously a massive loss for the Broncos, who were going to have a really good day. I still think this could be a good defense. So, you know, I look at this game, and even with the adjustments, now it's going to depend on if Sutton can go or not, but I still make this if Sutton can't. You know, I, I like the take, taking the three points. I You know, I think that there's value with the home dog here. Once it's got the two and a half, I, I teased the Broncos from two and a half up to eight and a half to get it over eight. I teased them with the Packers. If you really like the Steelers, you know, I wouldn't, I don't mind us teasing the Steelers down from six to pick. It's not ideal teaser scenario. You're not going through seven and three, but I know a lot of you out there are just dying for Monday night football action. So, you know, if you just wanted to throw a few pennies on a teaser, I would throw, I would go pit and then tease Denver up. But I, I think there's some value on the home dog here, who I generally like backing early in the year in Denver. In altitude, there's still a home field advantage there because of that. Teams, you know, with this short, no preseason, maybe there's some more conditioning issues, more so than normal this year. But even in normal years, you do see teams struggle in Denver very early on in the year. Um, So I think at three now with Denver, there's a lot of Tennessee love out there. I think there's just been – that combined with these, I think a little bit of an overreaction to the injury news on the Denver front. Uh, I think there's value at, at, with Denver at plus three uh, or greater. What do you see here? 
Absolutely. I mean, months ago when NFL lines were first put out, uh, you know, I think it was May somewhere around there. I was happy to hop on Denver. I think it was minus one. It's still in the app. So obviously I have a bad number, but I didn't know about all the injuries that were going to happen. You know, Jerry Judy is still going to catch the ball. He's pretty much a game changer, but I blindly play Denver. I'm not a huge trends player, but I do believe in altitude and I do believe it's a factor in Wyoming and college football games. Altitude is a real deal. And when teams play, when visiting teams go, you know, Denver is 6-1-4 and four against the spread uh, in weeks one and two at home uh, in their last 11. And if you look specifically, like in the last, uh, I think, 12 years was a sample I got out of Bet Labs. If you look at any time Denver's been minus seven or lower, as in like as an underdog right now, they're 9-3-4 and four against the spread. Uh, so they've only lost, you know, three, you know, against the spread three times out of the last 16 games where they weren't favored by more than a touchdown uh, in weeks one and two at home. It's a real home field advantage when teams aren't prepared and ready for this when they when they have to try to play in the altitude. So uh, I'm a, I, I like Denver when they had all their parts. I still like them now. I think the numbers move too much weeks one and weeks two where conditioning is already a, a, an issue when NFL teams start up. Yeah, I completely agree here. Uh, three is king too. So being able to get ki- three now makes Denver even more intriguing. So that'll wrap it up for us. We appreciate you listening. Thanks as always for the support, for the reviews, and for listening to us and making us uh, the award-winning podcast that we are. Uh, Colin, thanks for joining me. We will catch you all later in the week, Thursday morning for the NFL Week 2 preview, Friday morning for the College Football Week 3 betting preview. It's time for us to get to work. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.